growing in God's Word and learning how to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. Will you take a risk? Faith to step out. Applying this to your own life, will you take a risk? In case you don't know this, faith calls us to take risks in our lives. How much faith do you have? If you claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, then you profess faith in Him for your salvation. And we try to have faith in Him for whatever we need in our life, right? So, what would you do if you went to Jesus and He acted like He didn't want to be bothered by you? Whatever it is, when we go to Him, we want what we want, right? And I'm just going to tell you, this is what we end up doing. We end up making God sort of a celestial Bob Barker, and we play Let's Make a Deal. Hello, and welcome to Crosswalk. Beginning in Mark chapter 7, verse 24, we read the story of a woman who came to Jesus for help. Her daughter was possessed by a demon. As you'll hear Pastor Clay say today, this woman had a lot working against her, including Jesus' own disciples, who wanted Jesus to send her away. And as you'll hear, it appears that even Jesus isn't really interested in this woman's problems. This woman was willing to take a risk. She was willing to step out and take a risk. But things aren't always what they seem. And as we continue in our series, Jesus, the Real Action Hero, we're going to discover that Jesus' actions are intended to draw out our faith. We're so glad you've joined us today. Now here's Pastor Clay. Uh, let's talk this morning uh, real quickly about uh, some, some faith stepping, uh, some faith steps in our lives that should take place. We are in Mark uh, chapter 7. We, are fi- we, well, we probably won't finish Mark chapter 7 today, but uh, Mark chapter 7, uh, that last part, verses 24 through 37, we've been marching through, uh, stepping through the book of Mark. We've been looking at this action, uh, the real action hero, uh, Jesus, and these actions that he's taking uh, on his way to the cross, and we know he's got an appointment with the cross. Uh, he's, he's going there for purposes and that sort of thing. Uh, but along the way, uh, he gives us some amazing truths that we can apply to our lives today. You know, it's interesting, the end of Jesus' life, we understand the culmination was that we might be redeemed. That was the whole purpose. But, but all of the teaching, all of the events, all of the miracles, and you know, all that sort of stuff that went on during his earthly ministry, we can glean from those things amazing truths that we can apply that I've been trying to apply to my life uh, for the last you know, 25 years or so. And it is amazing how, uh, how God's Word is able to work in our hearts and our lives. We're in Mark chapter 7, and I'm going to kind of do it a little differently this morning. I'm going to read the text as we go, and I want to bring out uh, at least a couple of faith steps. We probably won't get to all four today. So we'll probably do a couple of faith steps uh, and uh, talk about those before we go this morning. We're going to start with this one. Uh, when we're talking about a faith step. A faith, we're, we're talking about a faith to step out. And, and the question that goes with it is this. Will you take a risk? Faith to step out. Applying this to your own life. Will you take a risk? Because if you, in case you don't know this, faith calls us to take risks in our lives. Let's read verses 24 to 27. Jesus got up and went away from there to the region of Tyre. And when he had entered a house, he wanted no one to know of it. Yet he could not escape notice. But after hearing of him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit, meaning that 
demon possession was, was a reality for her, for her life. A daughter who had an unclean spirit immediately came and fell at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile of the Syrophoenician race, and she kept asking him, notice this, she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he was saying to her, let the children be satisfied first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Wow. All right. Um, Jesus leaves where he is, and he, and he makes a move. He travels in a northwesterly direction uh, toward the city of, of Tyre. And Matthew, in his account of this story, also tells us uh, Sidon. Uh, it was uh, part of an ancient uh, civilization, an par- area in, in that part of the world that was known as uh, Phoenicia. Uh, it had, was predominantly part of the Syrian uh, empire and, ti- and landscape at that time. Today, it pretty much is made up uh, of the country of that area that, that is today Lebanon. But it was on, the, on and near the Mediterranean Sea, and it, as you can see, uh, you see Jerusalem down here. You see that little blue spot up there, uh, north, directly north of Jerusalem? Y'all see that? That is uh, the Sea of Galilee. And so that's where Jesus has been operating. That's where he's been working in the northern part of Israel. And he leaves there and he goes up toward Tyre and towards Sidon. Now, I say all that to set the stage for uh, this encounter. And some might even say conflict between Jesus and this Syrophoenician woman. She's got a lot against her, quite honestly. A a demonic entity, a demonic force has uh, possessed her little girl. She is a Gentile, meaning she's not a Jew. And there was tended to be a great deal of mistrust and animosity between Jews and Gentiles, and she's going up to this Jew. She is a woman, and in her society and her culture, uh, would have tended to think of men as more important than women. Jesus' own disciples are against him. Mark doesn't really record it, but in in Matthew's uh, rendition of this story... Matthew adds that Jesus' disciples came up to Jesus and, and begged him, entreated him, begged him to send this woman away. Because they, uh, it's probably not an exact quote, but uh, a paraphrase. They, they basically said, because she is constantly crying after us. I, I, th- I find that rather humorous because I think it hadn't changed. Men still don't like to hear women cry. I mean, just we just, we just don't, it's something we don't like. And... At least from his response, it would appear that, that maybe Jesus is against her. Or at the very least, doesn't want to be bothered by her. But perceptions can be tricky. Listen, the point here as we start, the point is that I'm making is that this woman was really willing to take a risk. She was willing to step out and take a risk. She was willing to risk being ridiculed. She was willing to risk being rejected. She was willing to risk anything and everything, whatever reputation she had. She's willing to risk every bit of it. And she keeps coming and she keeps entreating and she keeps falling at his feet and begging Jesus to, to cast this demon out of her daughter. She's willing to take a risk. Are you? 
When it, when it comes to faith, when it comes to stepping out in faith, are you willing to take a risk? I, I, was, I was thinking about this, and I, and I was just thinking, you know, in, in my own life, especially in my early days of walking with Jesus, and, and I was trying to think, you know, faith risks that I've taken. I think that, that we in our lives have, have taken some pretty significant faith risks, but one of the earliest ones that I could think of, and listen, this is not... Don't, this is not a, a, a message sermon on tithing or anything else like that. But I was just thinking, one of the earliest uh, faith risks that I can remember in our lives was when Cindy and I made the decision to start tithing, to, to follow what I had come to believe was a clear-cut biblical uh, command that I was to give uh, a 10% of my income, or a minimum of 10% of my income, back to God through the local church. I, I, just, I, just, I just felt like this was a very clear teaching of Scripture. And I would hear people, and I would hear people argue sometimes, uh, you know, and, and, you know, listen, I'm not, I, this is 25 years ago, and I'm not, I'm not tithing. You know, we would give to the church, can I say that? We would, we would give to the church. We wanted to give to the ministries of the church. We wanted to give to missions and that sort of stuff. But listen, it was always born out of what we had. You know what I'm saying? It was always born out of what we had left over. You know, you understand? You understand? Maybe I'm the only one that ever struggled with this. It was always out of what we had left over. If the bills were paid, if this was done, if that's done, then okay, you know, let's, let's give some uh, this week. And the amount would vary depending on, you know, how, how that was, was going. And, and, I, and I would hear the arguments, um, and uh, maybe I was trying to justify getting out of it, but, you know, I'd hear, and sometimes people would say, well, you know, that's Old Testament. It's really, it's not just Old Testament, way, but, but it's, that's, that's what you'd always hear. Well, in the Old Testament, he commanded them uh, to get And then I got thinking, and I was new at the Word of God. I was fairly new at it, but I, I kept thinking, yeah, but every place that I, where, where Jesus seems to deal with something that was a law in the Old Testament, he, seem, he seems to raise the bar in the New Testament. He, he doesn't seem to go backwards, he seems to go up. And, uh, and so I, I couldn't get away with that. But, but listen, can I, here's what I just want to say. We, or at least I, we were scared to death. We were scared to death. Because, because you know, here's what I, I'm thinking. What, what, if, what if one of the kids uh, gets sick? What if the car uh, breaks down? My vast mechanical skills are not going to be able to do a whole lot. What if we even just have a flat tire and I got to buy a new flat, uh, new tire? Hopefully not a flat one. I got to buy a new tire. What if, the, you know, the kids got to have this for school, they got to have that, i got this going on. What if we want to try and, we want to take a nicer vacation? You know, all these things I'm thinking in, in my head. And, and this, is, uh, this is, at least for me, this is what I just, it's like God kept saying to me, am I Lord of your finances or not? Am, am I sovereign over your expenses or not? Are you going to trust in me or are you going to trust in your checkbook? I mean, that, that's just, those are the thoughts I was thinking. Through and so they're finally. Here's all I'm saying. There came this moment where we we just had to, we just had to step out. You know what I'm saying? You know, like 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 in Indiana Jones's leap from the lion's head and the yeah. You know, never mind. Okay. So we had to, we had to take that step of faith. We had to step out. And can I just tell you from our perspective now, 25 years looking back and seeing how unbelievable God has provided. You know, it, it doesn't seem that way. But back then, it was a huge risk. Y'all know what I'm saying? Y'all are way too quiet. I don't know what the deal is. It was a huge risk. And so here's this one. In this woman's case, she's got all this stuff against her, and she steps out and she takes a risk. Now, here's what we haven't talked about. We can, it's easy to see her motivation. We haven't talked about it, but it's easy to see her motivation, isn't it? Her daughter is demon-possessed. I mean, that, that, 
right? So her adversity, here's what I want to say, her adversity is driving her to Jesus. It was her circumstance, in this case, the fact that her daughter was demon-possessed, was driving her to Jesus. So here's a couple of truths for you to to get a hold of with this. Here's here's the first one about adversity. Adversity will will, will will, will create a necessity for Jesus in your life. You understand what I'm saying? Adversity, hardship, trials, circumstances will cause a necessity for Jesus in your life. Now, I'll just tell you, sadly, sadly, many people do not turn to Jesus in adversity and circumstances and trials in their life. I, I, I went Friday. I met, I met this guy Friday. It's a long story. I won't tell all of it, but I went and look at this. Uh, never mind. Uh, anyway, I, I talked to this guy. And, you know, he was kind of crude. He was kind of foul-mouthed and all that kind of stuff. And, I, you know, I meet a lot of people uh, that, that curse and use bad language and all that kind of stuff. But uh, something was going on in this life. And he, he never, he wouldn't get to all of it, but he's getting ready to go on this trip. He was fixing up his apartment. He's getting ready to go on this trip. And, uh, and so, he was, I mean, he's going to Colorado. He's going to Grand Canyon. He's going all this I said, wow, that is awesome. That's, that, that's amazing. Paul, good for you. Fantastic. And he says, yeah. He, says, he said, I, I've always wanted to see this place. I've got to see him uh, before, it's too, before it's too late. So, I don't know what that meant, but I'm telling you, this guy was selling all of his stuff. He, he, had, he had cleaned up this apartment, and he, he was leaving. He was getting out, he said it before. So I don't know what was going on. But I, I kept trying to just, you know, right? Because you can't force the kingdom of God on anybody. Have you all discovered that? You can't force the kingdom of God on anybody. So I'm, I'm just interjecting these little things here about, you know, well, you know, God's going to, you know, I'm just praying God's going to bless you on this trip. And, and, and you know, well, I'm, I'm gonna, I use this sometimes at church. And, you know, da, 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 I'm just all, dropping these little things because you can usually see where a person is or they'll usually respond to that. But I'm just telling you, this guy, he wasn't having none of it. He wasn't having none of it. It was, it was this guitar. Look at this guitar. And he says, uh, and then y'all, excuse me, okay, all right, but this is this what he said. So, yeah, yeah it, it plays, uh, it's got a great, great sound and stuff, and you can use it for uh, communion or whatever the hell you want to do with it. <laughs> but that, there was just no, you know what I'm saying? Some people just won't turn to him. In times of adversity, but but is is it not surprising if if adversity can produce uh, an ability in you to risk? You know what I'm saying? To risk faith, then is it surprising to us that God allows adversity to come into our lives? I really don't think we should be shocked by it because here's here's the second truth about adversity: adversity, although painful, can be productive. And you know, I, I mean, in our flesh, we'd say, boy, I sure wish it wasn't productive because then maybe God wouldn't give us so much of it. But, but it really is. Look at this verse in Second Corinthians uh, chapter 14, or chapter 4, sorry. Uh, therefore, watch this. Now, Paul's writing, he says, therefore, this is why we don't lose heart, is what he's saying. Though our outward man is decaying. All right, we're, 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 we're dying. We're, we get, I mean, he's been in prison. He's beat up, all this stuff. Though our outward man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. There's this power, this strength working in his life. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory. You notice that? For momentary light affliction is producing for us. It's producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. And I know that's what, from our perspective, that's what we want to do. We want to compare it. We're like, yeah, but this is really hard, so that better be really good. But since we've not been there, it's hard for us to do that. But it's far beyond uh, all, compre- uh, all comparison while, what's what it says, while we wait, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. 
Gosh, we talk about that a lot around here. Looking at the things which are not seen rather than things that are seen. Why? It makes perfect sense for the things which are seen are temporal, temporary. They're, they're turning to dust. The good and the bad. But the things which are not seen, they are, say it, eternal. Eternal. So is, is it, it really shouldn't be surprising to us that God would, would allow adversity to, to bring us to the place to be willing to take a risk. So there, there it is in our lives. In the woman's case, all the stuff gives her, but she's willing to take this risk. The adversity drove her to this place of willing to take the risk. Does she, has she heard of Jesus? It certainly would appear so. Does she understand everything about Jesus? Probably not. But she was willing to take a risk. That's a faith step. Are you? Here's the second idea this morning. Faith to step up. Will you be ready? Faith to step out. Are you willing to take a risk? Faith to step up. Will you be ready? Let me read verse, again verse 27 and uh, then with verse 28. And he was saying to her, Let the children be satisfied first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table feed on the children's crumbs. Listen, don't miss the context here. Don't miss the context. It is not by accident that this encounter with the Syrophoenician woman, I do not believe it's by accident, that this encounter with the Syrophoenician woman takes place right on the heels of this discussion that Jesus has just had with the religious leaders, with the crowd, and with his own disciples about what is clean and what is unclean. Do y'all remember that? If y'all if y'all been with us in the previous weeks, do you remember that conversation? And Jesus, and you remember if you were here, the last couple of weeks we've been in chapter 7, and one of the things that we talked about is that, 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 that the driving... Um, the driving emphasis that Jesus keeps trying to go through with this idea of clean and unclean is that it's not the outside that matters. It's the inside, right? It's the heart. That's what, it, that's what really matters. That's what it really comes down to. Isn't that interesting? That right on the heels of that conversation, Jesus heads out to a Gentile area, a non-Jewish area, where the people were considered by the Jews, the Jews considered those people unclean because they were not Jewish and they did not keep the Jewish laws. So you understand? Jesus is not going to Tyre and Sidon because he came across a great three-day, two-night package deal getaway. That's not, it's not, that's not what this is about. There is purpose in what he is doing. That's what I'm trying to say to you. I believe that Jesus' statement, this, this rather tough statement in verse 27 is both a truth and a test. It's, uh, let's look at it again. And he was saying to her, let the children be satisfied first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to dogs. That, that, that was a truth statement. In, in that statement there in verse 27, children, and, and you, you probably already know this, but children is a reference, he's talking about the nation of Israel. When he responds to her pleading, uh, he's, he's referring to the nation of Israel. Uh, we know that because, uh, in, again, in Matthew's account of this story, y'all with me? Stay with me. I'm talking fast, I know. In Matthew's account of this story, in chapter 15 of Matthew, uh, just before Jesus said this to the Syrophoenician woman, he said this to his disciples. 
Matthew, uh, Matthew 15, 24. I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Matthew records that. Mark doesn't, doesn't record that part. That's fine. That you, you take all the stories, you put them together, that's how you reach a full picture. But Matthew records that Jesus, you know, the disciples come and they said, oh, send this woman away. She's crying after us the whole time. And Jesus says, I was, not sent, I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. And then he turns to the woman and he says, it's not good to the children, all that. So the statement that Jesus is making, so I want to say, Jesus' statement is true. 99% of Jesus' ministry was in Israel and involved Jewish people. 99% of the activities that he did. He came in response to the Jewish Old Testament prophets that promised that a descendant of David, a Jew, would come and would someday uh, sit on the throne of his father, David, and that, that that Messiah would someday restore the glory of Israel. You, you understand? You see? He was, he was born in Israel. He lived in Israel. He ministered in Israel. And he died in Israel among the Jews. Now, he obviously accomplished much more than simply coming for the Jew. Romans 1.16 tells us that salvation is for all, to the Jew first and to the Gentile. All you Gentiles here say, hallelujah. 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 <laughs> right. To, to us too. Here, here's, here's a way that you, could, you, you might could think of it. Here, here's the way I put it together. In his earthly life, he came to the Jews. In his earthly death, he came for the world. So, it, it, Jesus' statement was, was true. Can I, let, let's just also say this. Uh, let, let's deal with the test. Okay, that's, that's the truth. Let's deal with the test. Now, let me say this. What time is it? All right, let me say this. This, is, this first part, all right, is pure speculation on my part. There's nothing in the text that tells us this. <laughs> so I probably shouldn't be saying it. Uh, but it's, per, it's pure speculation on my part. I want to make sure I'm, I'm clear on that. But it is possible that Jesus, in this statement that he makes in verse 27, which had, I mean, it's like, Whoa! Doesn't Jesus love everybody? Doesn't Jesus care about everybody? It is possible that Jesus is testing his disciples. Uh, I, I think he was. I think at least part of this test was directed towards Jesus' disciples. We know from chapter 6 and chapter 7 that Jesus' followers are struggling with, with understanding his teaching. They're struggling with, with, this, with this whole thing. And we know from, chapter seven, from here in this chapter, from verse 18 on, that Jesus is particularly displeased with his disciples for not understanding this, this idea about what, what makes a person clean and what makes a person unclean. And that it's not really the outside. It's not who they are. It's not where they're born. It, it, it's not what they eat. It's, it's who they are on the inside. And the disciples are struggling with that. And as we saw in verse 18, Jesus is Frustrated, he's act, whatever the case, he's, he's not pleased that they don't seem to be getting this truth. So what does he do? He finishes the lesson, he heads off uh, to Tyre, he runs into the Syrophoenician woman, and uh, she's begging him to, to do something for her, and he says, oh, I was only sent to the, to the house of Israel. <laughs> I don't know if that's how he said it, that's just how it came out. But is it possible, is it possible that Jesus is hoping that one of his disciples steps up based on what he has just taught them and really has been teasing him the whole time. Is it just possible that he's hoping that one of his disciples will step up and say, well, well, now wait a minute, Rabbi. 
I, I thought you just told us that, that, it's, that, that it's what's on the inside of the person that, that makes them who they are, uh, not, not what, who they are on the outside, not whether they're, they're Gentile or Jew, not whether they keep the laws, uh, the ceremonial laws or, or not. I, I think that a response like that from one of his disciples would have been very pleasing to the Lord. That's, that's what I think. Now, whether he was testing them, I don't know. But it's pretty clear that he seems to be testing this woman. And she knocks it out of the ballpark with her response. But it's, it's stepping up in the moment and taking advantage of a situation. By the way, can I also say this? Jesus' statement, besides being true or, or truthful, it was also practical. I mean, to use the, the, the food analogy, it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't make sense to, to feed, uh, feed dogs if, you had, if your children were starving to death, Right? I mean, it is kind of a practical thing. Let me also say this, and then we'll kind of wrap it up. Uh, not only was Jesus' statement uh, truthful and practical, but third, Jesus' statement, I believe, was hopeful. Now, you might say that, well, that seems hard to believe based on what Jesus said to this woman. He just called her a dog. I think the statement was probably more hopeful uh, to the Syrophoenician woman than, than you and I realize that it was. Woman comes up, she's trying to get help, she wants help. Jesus uh, says there, let me just read it one more time, in verse 27. And he's saying to her, Let the children be satisfied first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Like I already said, and, and most of you know this, there, there was, there generally tended to be bad blood between Jews and non-Jews, Gentiles. The Jews particularly could be... Uh, uh, discriminatory, uh, racist uh, toward non-Jews. There, and it, it, it was a historical thing. It went way back, and it's a long story. But, but they, they really uh, did not like people that were not Jewish. And some of you may know that the Jewish people would refer to Gentiles as dogs. That, that, I mean, that's the way they thought of them. Just a bunch of dogs. But they're referring to those ravenous, wild types of dogs that used to roam in packs around the countryside in that day that were, that were dangerous to the, to the people. But Jesus doesn't use that term. Jesus uses a term for a dog that basically meant little or uh, puppy or even house, house dog or house pet. So... What's really going on here is rather than call the woman a wild animal, which is what the, how the Jews tended to think of, of Gentiles, he's really calling her part of the family, which any of you who own pets know is true, right? How you feel about your, your pets? Now, I'm, you understand, I'm not saying that he's calling her a pet. I'm just saying that it's not, it's not as harsh and as cold and as cruel as we might think that it is. And so when Jesus says this, the woman responds and says, Yes, Lord, but, but even the dogs under the table eat the crumbs. It's, it's stepping up and being ready when the moment presents itself. Are you ready? Could you, could you say in your life that you can step up, that, that when, when a faith opportunity presents itself, and that's clearly what this was, are you willing to step up are you willing to be ready to respond to the situation? All right. Uh, 
Let me give you one more real quick. Faith to step through, will you see the result? Verse 29 says, And he said to her, Because of this answer, go, the demon has gone out of your daughter. And going back to her home, she found the child lying on the bed, the demon having left her. It, it's, it's pretty obvious that this woman's response is exactly what Jesus was looking for. Again, Matthew, in his rendition of this story, Matthew tells us, uh, I think I got it up on the screen, uh, Matthew fifteen twenty eight. O woman, great is your faith, be it done for you as you desire. Now, as far as I could think, and I could be wrong, there could be a couple, I didn't, I didn't look this up, didn't verify this, but as far as I can think, there are only two places in Scripture where Jesus refers to a person's faith as great. There's a couple places where he says, your faith has healed you, your faith has done this, but I can only think of two places where Jesus refers uh, to a person's faith as great. One of them is here, the story of the Syrophoenician woman, and the other is in Matthew chapter 8 in the story of the Roman centurion that uh, wanted healing for his uh, servant at, at his house. And in that case, Jesus said, I, I tell you, I've not, I've not found so great a faith in all of Israel. Interestingly enough, in both cases, both individuals were Gentiles, not Jews. And it wasn't the people of the book that had this great faith. It was the Gentiles that had this great faith. But the question is, w- w- will you see it through? Are you willing to see this thing through? And, and, and Jesus says to her, it's because of your faith, because because." clearly demonstrated in your answer, go, the demon has gone out, and going back to her home, she found the child lying on the bed, the demon having left her. Are you willing to to step through whatever you have to step through to see the result? I've told this story, but it's been a few years, I'm sure, since I told it. So it's new to some of you, but I can remember years ago reading, or hearing, actually, hearing this, uh, this story from uh, Dr. James Dobson, who's, uh, he, I think he's retired now, but uh, founder of Focus on the Family. Uh, Dr. Dobson uh, talks about, tells a story about uh, his, uh, his grandmother, who was a very godly woman. He had, he had uh, very godly grandparents on one side of his family. On the other side, his grandmother was very godly. His uh, grandfather was not. He was a good guy. He was a nice guy. He was a hard worker. He was a farmer. But he just, the whole Jesus church thing was, was not his deal. He didn't care that his wife went. He didn't care his wife took the kids. He was a farmer, and that's where he worked hard, and, and, and that was his deal, and so he didn't. So in, the, in, in Dr. Dobson's uh, testimony, as he tells this story, he tells about how his grandmother faithfully prayed for her husband for 40 years that he would come to Christ. For 40 years. Now, I've not heard that testimony in years, but every time I think of it, when I was, when I was thinking about it when I was working on this sermon, I, I was thinking about it again. I was thinking, man... I'm sure I would have quit after five or 10 or 20 or 30. You see, are are you willing to step through whatever it takes to see the response, to see the answer? And by the way, just as a side note, uh, it was was on his deathbed that Dr. Dobson's grandfather uh, the pastor had, met, had visited him many times. He was always very cordial, always but, but he was sick, he was dying, and the pastor came and spoke with him again, and his heart broke after years of hardness. It had nothing to do with a bunch, being in a bunch of sin. And all, you understand what I'm saying? It just was a hard heart against the things of God. His heart broke, and he received Christ as Savior. It was either that night or, or the next night, uh, his wife, Dr. Dobson's grandmother, uh, in another room, heard him crying as he was laying in his bed. He was, he was completely bedridden at that point, just crying one night. She went in to see him, 
And she asked him what was wrong. Is he in pain? And, and all he could say was, and I just want you all to hear this. I want you, if you're here and without a relationship with Jesus or you're listening to this message without a relationship with Jesus, after 40 years of somebody praying for, her, for him, uh, as, as, he just, as, he, as tears just streamed down his face, all he could say was, I've wasted it. I've wasted it. My whole life, I could have been doing something for the kingdom and glory of God. My whole life, I could have had purpose in me. I have wasted my life. But she stepped through. She would not quit. She would not see an she would not quit at this thing until she saw the result. Now, uh, let me say this. There are a couple of, we'll close with these, but there are a couple of uh, problems for sometimes for having that, that kind of faith. There, I forget what I even call it. Uh, two potential faith hazards. Yeah, thank you. Couldn't think of that. Two potential faith hazards. Here's the first one. We want what we want. We want what we want. Right? That's the whole point I'm going to Jesus for. That's the whole point I'm believing in Him. Yeah, my salvation. Yeah, I want Him to save me. I want to be in heaven. Sounds like it's going to be cool up there. But, but you know, I, in faith, in faith, I'm believing Him for this. When we go to, listen, when we go to God in faith, when we step out and we step up, we, we want what we want. Whether, whether we're going to Him to heal uh, us or someone we know of cancer or, or to give us that job that we've applied for that we really need or to, to make this happen or to see our kids turn out good or to restore my marriage or uh, whatever it is. When we go to Him, we want what we want, right? And I'm just going to tell you, this is, what, this is what we end up doing. We end up, we end up making God sort of a celestial Bob Barker. Some of y'all don't even know who that is. But we end up making God sort of a celestial Bob Barker. And, and we play let's make a deal with God. I mean, we do. Well, God, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm pleasing you. I'm trying to love you. I'm trying to honor you. I'm trying to have faith in you and all that kind of stuff. God, bam, anytime, bam, we want what we want. Here's, here's the problem, though, ladies and gentlemen, for, uh, from our perspective. God is, here's a big, big word, God is omniscient. Say that word, omniscient. It means that he is all-knowing. That means he knows everything. That means he knows the best possible scenario, the best possible result of your faith step out and step up toward him. You and I do not possess that knowledge. I'm sorry, I know some of y'all think y'all are really smart, but none of us possess that knowledge. None of us are all-knowing. So that can be a potential faith hazard because we stumble. We don't see us getting what we thought we were supposed to get out of this deal. We can struggle in our faith. We can have a hard time with it. Second potential hazard is, is this. We want what we want when we want it. Right? Want it now. Last Tuesday would have been good. Right? Because here's what... Here's what, here's what uh, we don't do. We don't tend to think of ourselves in the stream of eternity. Now, I'll stop here just because the wall kind of stops here. Uh, but if it's eternity, how long is eternity? Yeah, that's right. So it's really, there's no beginning, there's no end. But the stream of eternity, right? It's, all, it's running, running. Stream of eternity. We're in the stream of eternity, right? Right? Yeah. Yes, we're in the stream of eternity. But we don't, we don't think of it that way, Right? Because we are also in the stream of time, right? Stream of eternity, no end to no end. Stream of time, 
beginning and end, right? Stream of time. <laughs> okay, maybe, maybe this far. And we're somewhere in that stream of time, right? We're like a, we're like a, in that stream of time. But that's our time. We're in that time. And we're hurting. And we want results. And we want what we want when we want it. Now, anybody want to guess which stream God's fishing in? Yeah, God, certainly God uses and, and, and operates in the stream of time. But God, God's perspective, which then drives his decisions, come from the stream of eternity. And so we have to be willing to say, God, I, I'm, I'm going I'm to step through. I'm going to step through my circumstances. I'm going to step through my adversity. And God, here it is. Here's the big part. And God, I'm just going to leave the results in your hands. I know what I want. I know what I want to see happen. I know what makes sense to me or what I think this. But God, I'm going to step through no matter what. And I'm going to see you do what you do. Got it? Okay. All right, we got to go. It's time to go. But I'm so close. I'm just going to give you the fourth one. And then, then we'll get out of here, and I'll just briefly mention it, because we, we might as well finish the, the text. The last idea uh, is this. A faith to step in. Will you choose to recognize? And, and let, let me just real quickly uh, read the rest of this. Um, again, he went out from the region of Tyre after, after this encounter with this Syrophoenician woman. He came through Sidon uh, to the Sea of Galilee within the region of Decapolis. And they brought to him uh, one who was deaf and spoke with difficulty, and they implored him to lay his hands on him. They implored him. They begged him, put your hands on him. Jesus took him aside from the crowd by himself, put his fingers in his ears, and after spitting, uh, he touched his tongue with the saliva, and looking up to heaven with a deep sigh, he said uh, to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened. And the impediment of his tongue was removed, and he began speaking plainly. And he gave them orders not to tell anyone, but the more he ordered them, the more widely they continued to proclaim it. We've talked about Jesus' reasons for that uh, before. They were utterly astonished. Watch this. They were utterly astonished, saying, He has done all things well. He makes even the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. We don't, we don't know anything about this guy that Jesus heals on, the, on, his, on his way back. Okay, we don't, we don't know, we know, that he, we know that he can't hear and we know that he can't speak. Other than that, we don't really know a single thing about him except that he's about to have a very good day. But let me tell you what we do know something about as we're closing here. We do know something about the region of Decapolis. Does that ring any bells for anybody? If you've been in this study with us, do you remember back in chapter 5 of Mark? The last time Jesus went through the region of Decapolis? The so last, last time it was mentioned is back in chapter 5 when he, when he encountered the, uh, the demoniacs of, of the Gerizines. You remember that? And he cast them out and cast them into the pigs. And, you all remember that whole story? The last time we heard about the people, because all the people came out after the pigs uh, committed suicide after that. Sorry, I just I couldn't help it. I've been trying the whole time not to say that. But, I'm sorry. Uh, but... When all the people came out to see what, what, what in the world is going on. This is the last time that, we, that we've heard about the, the, uh, the people of Decapolis. In Mark chapter 5, verse 17. And they began to entreat him, beg him, implore him to depart from their region. Get out of here! We don't, we don't want you around here! Their power scared them. And so they begged Jesus to leave. Now, now they're begging him to stay and to heal.
to heal this man. Now, listen, was it the same people in, that were in chapter 5 that begged him to leave? Was it the same group of people from the area of Decapolis? Probably not. But the point is that at, at, in some way and somehow these people came to the place where they bought in. They were ready to step in and say, all right, <laughs> I, I, I see who this guy is. This guy has the power. This guy is who he claims to be. That's my last question. We're going to close uh, and, and just... We'll take just a moment this morning, just a brief period of time, just, you know, God speaking to people's hearts. I don't want to ignore that, but I just want to say to you, if, if you're here, if you're listening to this or watching this message sometime later in the week, can I just say to you, if you have never stepped into this whole thing with Jesus, if you've heard about it, you've thought about it, you've talked about it, you've asked questions about it, this whole thing, and if you've never stepped in, maybe this is the time for you to step in. There are so many accounts, so many stories that we could tell. I was thinking even last night about Josh McDowell, prolific author uh, on on defense of the Christianity, Christian faith, evidence that demands a verdict is a classic, uh, more than a carpenter is a classic. He was a PhD student at the University of uh, California, LA, UCLA. He was a a PhD student. Uh, If I remember the story right, he was, his father was a raging alcoholic, used to beat his mom, used to beat him. And he was so sick on that campus of hearing. Bill Bright had started this little ministry called Campus Crusade for Christ. And they were going around telling everybody that Jesus was the way. And he was so sick of hearing that, that he said, I'm going to shut them up once and for all. And he set out intellectually to prove that Jesus was nothing but a fraud, if he ever even existed at all, that he was not God, that there was no God, and that, that all of this was a fake, it was a sham. And he gave his life to Jesus Christ as a result of what he saw, as a result of what, what came out of his research and his study. And he, said, and he came to this conclusion, that, that his first book that he wrote, More Than a Carpenter, and that, that, was, that was the thing. This guy's, this guy's more than, than who, who I think he is. He is the Son of God. And he became a believer in Jesus Christ. He stepped in and was ready to believe. That's all I'm saying. If you're, if, you're, if you're here and maybe you've never stepped in, would this be the time when you say today? All right, I'm ready. I'm ready to step in. Step out, step up, step through, and step in. All steps of faith in our walk with Jesus. As we learn today, those steps aren't always easy. At first glance, it may have appeared as if Jesus didn't care about this woman's problems. But as we learned, Jesus cared very much. The disciples wanted to send her away. Jesus wanted to teach her and all of his followers that we can trust him no matter what it may look like. As we heard Pastor Clay say, when we go to Jesus for something, we want what we want, and we want it when we want it. But God's omniscience means that we have to trust Him. We may not always see what God is doing in a situation, but because we know He is good, we can, by faith, trust Him to do what is best for our eternal lives. He is good. We can, by faith, trust Him to do what is best for our eternal lives. We're glad you joined us for this week's Crosswalk. Each week, Pastor Clay opens the Bible and brings out its exciting and practical truths to apply to our everyday lives. Cross Culture Church is a new church in North Raleigh. But instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. We meet Sunday mornings at 1030 at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. And we welcome anyone who is looking for a place to learn about God's plan for their life. At Cross Culture Church, We experience the liberating, satisfying, life-changing power of the cross, and it's our desire to bring that power to a culture in need of freedom, hope, and joy. We hope you'll come join us on a Sunday morning. We'll save a seat for you. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, 
Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org.